You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 188 called Christy. This episode is supported by Receptiva DX. The Receptiva DX test can help couples struggling with unexplained infertility. Getting pregnant isn't easy, as so many of you know. Many couples struggle with infertility, and unexplained infertility can be particularly frustrating. Women facing unsuccessful IVF may not know that endometriosis is the underlying cause, a disease that can impact the success rates of IVF treatments and often has no symptoms. The Receptiva DX test can help identify endometriosis before an embryo transfer, and it has the potential to save women the stress, anxiety, and cost of multiple failed IVF attempts. The good news is multiple studies show treatment of women with a positive Receptiva DX test improves live birth outcomes by over 50%. Receptiva DX can detect all stages of endometriosis and help women make better decisions in planning for pregnancy. You can learn more at ReceptivaDX.com or download their app, which is also called Receptiva DX. All right, guys. So my guest today, Christy, is an expert in infertility, functional medicine, and functional nutrition. And she's going to talk about all the ways to boost fertility, toxin-free living. And of course, she's going to talk about her own experience while going through the painful journey of trying to conceive. Christy is also a military veteran, and she's going to talk about something that we've never talked about on the show before. So something that factored into her fertility journey that has never, ever come up in these past 187 episodes. So super interesting. Without further ado, this is Christy's infertility story. So Christy, you are in Alaska. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. I know that you had said that you listened to my podcast and you wanted to share your story and you went through this a while ago. So spoiler alert, you have two kids and they are how old now? 13 and nine. Okay. So I think going through infertility when you did was probably vastly different from how it is today. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit too, but let's start at the beginning. Did Mm -hmm. you always want to have kids? I do. Um, It's like, it's a goal in life. Life was never going to be complete without children. Okay. And so did you get married and start to try and all that stuff? How did it look for you, like your family building journey in the beginning? Yeah. So I got married. So my husband and I were, you know, the older kind of couple (laughs) met Mm -hmm. when we were older, got married older. So everything was pretty much established, done with school, at least my first degree back then. So we got married and then we just wanted to enjoy married life without kids, at least for a year. Then, you know, we started, well, you know, we're getting older. Let's maybe try sooner. Personally and physically, we were very active people. We were healthy, you know, 
bad habits we have are just craving chocolate a lot and wanting sweets. <laughs> <laughs> Who um, doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> and then um, as far as my, you know, cycles go, I was always regular. I had my cycles every month. So really nothing, everything was going to be fine or so I thought. And then here we are three years later, still trying. And no, um, it took us three years to actually um, to get pregnant. Okay. So what was going on in those three years? Were you, you hadn't been pregnant at all or had you had a loss or? No loss. Um, mm-hmm. It's just no pregnancy at all. And it was, and I know it's different. The journey is different for everyone. It's kind of like if they say at least a year of trying that you're not, getting pregnant, then go get seen depending on your age. I was less than 30 then. So they wanted me to wait a year. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like, okay. Can anyone tell me what I can do in a year besides keep trying? So that's when I started doing my research and I basically took charge of my own health and my journey to motherhood. That's why I feel really passionate right now sharing this journey because women, they, you know, just starting with body literacy it's not really even happening. And you just wonder, well, what's going on? And that's when you start asking questions. And even when you ask questions, are you asking the right people? Are you asking the right questions? Right. So we're going to get into all that because today you are, how would you describe what you do? Like what's, you can probably say it better than me. I know you have blue veil wellness and, you know, you talk about fertility boosting foods and mastering motherhood and all this other stuff, but how would you describe what you do? So online, I'm a functional wellness and functional nutrition, focusing on fertility consultant. Okay. Um, And I feel like I have to give that distinction there because as my full-time job, I'm a family nurse practitioner. Got it. So you waited the year and then you started doing research and kind of, were you starting to change your lifestyle habits and your own like nutrition and your husband's and all that? Um, Not back then because like I said, we didn't know anything there was really nothing much to change because we were, we were healthy. You were already pretty healthy. Okay. Got it. Healthy. So I went and saw, um, you know, aside from my OBGYN, I went and saw a naturopath because I was thinking, okay, I'm not getting like really good answers from this side. So I went and saw a different specialist. When I saw a naturopath, that's when she started diving more in my history mm-hmm. in the military. I'm a veteran. So when I told her that, she was like, oh, we need to get you tested for heavy metals. Oh, because interesting. A lot of her patients who are some form in the military spent, you know, some time, um, she tested them for heavy metals and there's some <laughs> heavy, heavy burden of specific metals or like all the metals. Wow. So what were you doing in the military? Were you a nurse? I was, I was an army medic. Army medic. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Thank yeah. you for your service. That's amazing. That it may even be, you know, because I, I grew up from a third world country, grew up in the Philippines. Um, the heavy metal toxicity may have started there, but as far as she knows, the patient population that she's seen, that's what's consistent. So she had me tested for um, heavy metals. Did they and find anything? Yes. Lo and behold, uh, my levels of lead were off the chart. So what yeah. do they do to remedy that? And can they? Yeah. So there back then, I know the protocols have changed back then they were doing something called chelation. Mm -hmm. So every week or every two weeks, um, I was 
going in and I was having this mixture, some kind of mixture in a bag, like run through me. Oh, wow. Like an infusion. Yeah, exactly. And then the thought is, um, well, before I do that, I would take certain um, medications to to loosen up all the heavy metals in my system. And then I'd go in for the infusion and then I would excrete all that through my urine. Wow. And did it get better? After I think three or four months, we got, I got tested again and yes, everything did get better. Wow. That's so medicine. So interesting and cool. You're definitely the first person I've talked to on this podcast. That's had that experience. So thank you for sharing that. And that's why I love doing this. It's just every story is so vastly different. I want to talk about just before we get into, you know, having your kids and stuff and more of your struggle, what was it like? You know, this is, we talked about this before we started recording a little bit. Not a lot of people were talking about infertility at this time. You know, this is your kids are nine and 13. So this is, you know, 15 plus years ago, right. And, and sooner. So what was the vibe? Like, did you have to keep this a secret? Did you feel shame? Like, did you have any resources? How did you get through it? Yeah, so exactly. It feels like back then when you're not successful in 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 getting pregnant, especially, you know, you just get married and everyone's asking, when are you having a baby? How come you're not pregnant yet? And some will even like touch your belly. Is there a baby in there? <laughs> and after like, yeah, people have no shame really. And then mm-hmm. so then shame falls on you. Like you start walking around with this scarlet letter that, okay, you know, maybe broken. I don't know what's wrong, mm. but I don't talk about it. Um, and then you start like making, almost making things up or not even that it's denying things, you know, like, okay, we're gonna, we're taking a break. We're not ready yet. We're waiting. We want to enjoy life. So what happened back then is I, I was really, I was suffering alone, like deep inside, no support group. None of my friends, um, we're going through it or so none, at least none of them were opening up and people are not, there's some really nice people there. They did try to tell you to make you feel better, mm-hmm. but it really does the opposite. Like I've been told, well, you know, you have a, you have a puppy and you're a mom to a puppy and right. you can take care of your dog, but it's like, well, that's really different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, no resources. Um, I know there's some organizations now, a lot of organizations now and a lot of support groups. But back then, really, there was there was none. I was keeping it all to myself and just chugging right along. And every yeah. baby shower invitation and every pregnancy announcement that I hear from someone, it's just like, well, congratulations. Um, I hope it's my turn some, sometime. Right. It's like a knife to the heart. So obviously Instagram wasn't a thing, which is such a lifeline to so many people in this community now and such a way to connect. So, you know, and I remember even as I was going through it, which was, you know, probably eight, eight, nine years ago. Now I finally did have my son who is six, but it was very lonely. And I remember searching and searching for books and articles and I just couldn't find that much. I mean, now it's 10,000% more in the public eye, thank God. But I'm sure for you, it was even, you know, that much more isolating. So did it have an effect on your relationship with your husband or how was he dealing with all this? He was trying to be helpful, you know, like most husbands who are, you know, on board <laughs> yeah. with, with having a baby. He was, he was helpful. Um, but then of course there were some, some issues with some of the treatments because some, a lot of the treatments were not covered by insurance. Mm. 
um, like the chelation I was paying out of pocket for, for the infusions. And then I went and saw an acupuncturist for fertility. And back then acupuncture was not covered at all. So everything was out of pocket. A lot of things were out of pocket. Right. So then it started putting financial strain and he started asking questions like, why are you doing this? So then that's, I'm like, oh, okay. You don't, clearly you don't understand the pain that I'm going through. (laughs) Yeah. I feel you. I feel you on that. I think it's really, it's hard when, you know, the women and, and the partner, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, the women and the man, you know, go through so much together, but also your own unique experiences too, which is, is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell me what happened next with you guys. So you're having these infusions, The you got the let out. Were you feeling better? I was feeling better. I had more energy. And then when I got my thyroid checked, um, um, it was not bad, but it was, you know, it could, it could have been optimized. So that was optimized. And I feel like most of the treatment back then that I, that I sought and that was given to me is what I kind of researched. It's like I made my research and then I made my case mm-hmm. <laughs> and I went and saw this. And so I- you're advocating for yourself, which is, yeah. you know, something that we push really hard now for so many women is, you know, do the research and go to your you know, medical team and say, Hey, can we try this test? Or, Hey, I heard about this in my support group. And what if we try this? Or maybe it's this, you know, I think that a lot more people yeah. are doing that nowadays, but it sounds like you're like a pioneer advocating for yourself. You know, I was cleaning my, um, my, one of the rooms and I found um, a folder. It had all my, my research back then, like everything I printed out of as far as resources, my own lab work. Yeah. Um, what I've found. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's not as painful now and I'm okay. Okay. Opening up because I have kids, but yeah, back then it was like, there was nothing really, it's just, you know, it's you against everyone else and you find who's willing to help you and who can help you. Right now. I know in some of the stuff that you sent me, when you emailed, you talk, you talk a lot about your faith and you were born and raised Catholic. Did that come into play at all when it came to thinking about assisted reproductive technology or did you have an opinion about that so yeah i'm glad you asked me that because um catholic church frowns upon assisted um, (laughs) reproductive technology specifically ivf Mm -hmm. i was not aware of it back then i just wanted family i just wanted a baby so interesting we were going to um, a retreat and we got close to one of the priests and i we i asked him i said well you know before you go back to where you are can you pray for us I don't want to see an IVF specialist. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he was, he just looked at me like, okay, I'll pray for you. And my husband just pulled me to the side and said, um, you probably should not have talked to him about that. <laughs> yes. But he wasn't like, you can't do that. No, he was not. <laughs> but he was silently judging you. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. maybe he's like, well, we're praying for God's will. I'm sure. That's right. He was yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So what happened next with you guys? Like did, was there a point where you did start going through some sort of treatment? Yeah. So I started making, you know, getting like every bit of whatever I can optimize, whatever I can find. Um, and then I talked to my, my surgeon and I said, you know, I have all these issues. Maybe I have endometriosis. And then for endometriosis, they can't really prove that you do. You have all these constellation of symptoms, but unless you go in surgery and they see they physically visualize endometriosis tissue that's right. when they say you have it. So um, 
I actually was talking to one of um one of the women that I worked with back then. I had heard that she went through IVF. So I opened up to her. I, I um and I think she she was she was the first person that really guided me through like, okay, you can do this and this and this. So I, I did talk to her and she said, you know, you could opt for laparoscopic surgery if you have endometriosis, you have this and what you know, anything like structural or mechanical, maybe they can fix that. You may not know right now. So I did, I took her advice. I went to my surgeon and I said, listen, I'm open to this. Can you, can you, you know, can you do this? And yeah, after several ultrasounds and he was like, okay, you know, we can make, we can do a diagnostic surgery. But at the same time, I was contacting on several IVF um, facilities outside of Alaska because IVF is not we, no one in Alaska was in IVF back then. So I contacted them and I was doing a survey of like, what would you propose? You know, what is your treatment plan for this? So according to this IVF specialist, he said, yeah, we'll give you, um, if you do, quote unquote, if you do have endometriosis, we'll give you medication to suppress that. But for me back then, I was just thinking in my mind, like, well, why are you going, going to suppress something if you can remove it? Right. And then I told him, well, you know, my surgeon said he can do laparoscopic diagnostic surgery and he can remove it if, if there's anything there. And he said, well, you know, he's a surgeon. Of course, his first instinct is to cut. But this is our, you know, our protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wasn't comfortable with that. So I opted for like my thing is if it's there and if it should not belong there, go and take it out. Yeah. <laughs> a chance to proliferate and give mm-hmm. you more issues. in the future. Right. So is that what happened? Yeah. Yes. That's what happened. I did have endometriosis and then, you know, several diagnostic surgeries or several diagnostics um, more later, everything was supposed to be fine after that, but it still was not happening. So um, yeah, we did a couple of rounds of IUI and still nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then we were ready to move on to IVF. I had found this facility in, in California of all my research and I picked it because my plan was to go on vacation, um, stay with my family and get IVF and, and just not tell anyone what, what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the wonderful story. Finally, like the end of the tunnel, <laughs> we went and had a consult for this facility in California and the, the doctor said, well, you know, when is your period coming? I said, what's well, supposed to be this week? And he said, we should do a pregnancy test. I said, no, I flew all the way from Alaska. We're going to do this consult. My husband's on the phone because he wasn't able to join me at that appointment. So he was on speakerphone. I said, we will do this consult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period always comes. It always comes on time. <laughs> yeah. Fails. So then he goes, okay, but can you just pee in a cup first before we, <laughs> before we do the consult? I said, fine, let's do this. Yeah. I provide urine sample for a pregnancy test and then we finished all the consult and he told me about his plan, his protocol. And then someone came in and gave him a piece of paper. And he said, well, you know, we probably shouldn't do this anymore because you're pregnant. Oh my gosh. And I said, wow, you're that good. All I have to do is just talk to you. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and then I was in denial. And I wow. said, are you sure this is mine? So then I was thinking they must have switched it because I saw another patient walk by and she looked like me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I said, it's probably her urine. 
Yeah. Switched it. I want blood work. I want you to get blood work every 24, 48 hours to see if my levels are going up. Uh huh. That's how anal I became. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. After so much trying so hard for so long, you know, you gotta you gotta be on the ball like that. Yes. So yeah, that that was those happy news. And of course, I was telling my husband about it, and, and it's funny how men think they're like, "Oh, we saved twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> totally. Is that what he said? That's what he said. And I said. Um, yeah. How about saving us from the heartbreak and right. <laughs> saving my body from all kinds of treatment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's your 13 year old. Yes. That's my 13 year old. Wow. So how was the pregnancy and everything? Did it go well? It went, yes, it went very well. Um, actually <laughs> one of the things that I'm looking back now, I probably shouldn't have done because I yearned so much to be pregnant. I wanted to show so I ate and ate and I gained 70 pounds because I wanted my belly to show. I wanted to be obviously pregnant. Oh my God. Interesting. So then that was my 13 year old. So four years later, we're like, okay, we're ready for another pregnancy. And because of my history back then, I knew I probably was going to go through the same thing again. Mm-hmm. So I, I pretty much, I prepped my body. I had made a lot more changes as far as the food I was eating the um like the products I was using I was more mindful of things I was I did not wait to start the process to start getting ready so I was getting ready before I knew I had my timeline I I gave myself a year to get my body ready for the mm-hmm. to get pregnant again so um I had like my phone calls I was talking to my um REI here um in Alaska I said this month is when I w- would like to start. Can you prescribe me the the COVID for <laughs> this one? Because that's when I'll take it. She was awesome. And she goes, okay, you know, so we had everything mapped out and dated. And then one night I you know, was having symptoms and I started spotting and I was thinking, oh my gosh, what do I have now mm-hmm. <laughs> to my body? Then it was at night and at night couldn't sleep. And then the night, it was two in the morning. I said, I'm just going to do pregnancy test just because. I doubt it, but I'm just going to do it. So I did. And at two in the morning, my goodness, it was a positive pregnancy test. Oh my gosh. I didn't even need anything. I just got pregnant naturally. Wow. Yes. So, I mean, I guess the 13 year old, if you can count it as maybe a natural pregnancy, we don't know. (laughs) Right. But you had tried for so long and okay. So tell me about the work that you're doing now and you know, what you've learned having gone through struggles like that and it not happening. You talk a lot about like toxin-free living and other healthful things that you can do. So tell me about the majority of, of your work. And if we could wrap up with like a couple of maybe tips that you'd give somebody who's maybe new to this community about just getting their bodies, you know, in the optimal shape for becoming pregnant and carrying a healthy pregnancy. Sure. Um, so yeah, the like going through infertility, it's like back then it was a secret. And now um, one of my goals is to give back. I know it was painful, how painful it was. And I would not wish it on anyone. Mm-hmm. Whether it's repeated loss or unable to get pregnant, it's it's still um, it's still painful. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding a gap with is, of course, there's all this technology that we have and different um, specialties, but I don't know of one place that talks to each other. I've had some of my patients that are 
on their way to IVF. And I asked them, what else have they told you to get your body ready? In the meantime, I mean, your, your treatment is on you know, on specific day. And they said, no, nothing. They just told me to show up. Mm-hmm. And it just boggles me. Like no one's, no one is guiding these women to prepare their body. No one's telling them that they can do acupuncture, that they can do yoga, that they should eat non-toxin, like that they can reduce their toxin, their toxic burden, and that will just help get their body ready. And the mm-hmm. way I tell people that is if you are welcoming a guest into your house, wouldn't you want to clean up and tidy up? Right. So that's kind of like what you're doing. Um, you know, you just don't like, okay, I'm gonna try and I hope I'm pregnant like my next cycle. It mm-hmm. actually builds up to that. It takes 90 days for a healthy egg to be to be produced. And that's your goal. So my goal is to guide everyone to first start with um, toxin-free living. All the okay. products you're using, um, starting from your bathroom and then move to your kitchen and then to your food. An easy way is you just look at your products and if it contains BPA or parabens or phthalates, toss it and find a healthier alternative. Okay. You may not see it right now. And as nice as your skin might feel when you put it on, you're, you're leaching chemicals into your system and mm-hmm. it affects the way your hormones function. And hormones are really finicky. All it takes is just one to be off and everything else gets skewed. And then moving on to the kitchen, swap your plastic containers to glass yep. containers. And there's so many companies now that are being environmentally friendly that it's really it's really easy to find um, good swaps now. And then um, food is the third one that I would advocate for people changing. Sugar is very inflammatory. Uh-huh. Sugar alternatives. Um, there's xylitol, there's mock fruit. And us humans, if we give up what makes us feel good and what we love, it, we have a hard time. So there's a healthier swap to everything. You don't have to just give up sweets totally. All you right. have to do is find healthier alternatives. Right. Okay. Some good tips. Thank you so much. So if anybody wants to find the work that you're doing, is it cool if they reach out to you or if they can, you know, if they have specific yes. questions? Yes. I'd like to offer everyone um, fertility boosting foods. If you go to fertilityboostingfoods.com, you can download um a PDF and it focuses on three main systems. It's really easy for you to understand and um, wrap your mind around that way you don't get overwhelmed because trying to get pregnant is really overwhelming. Right. (laughs) One, my goal is to make the process as less overwhelming as possible. So yeah, fertilityboostingfoods.com is a good way to start or they can um, go to my website, bluevailwellness.com. Okay, so that's bluevail. B-L-U-E-V-E-I-L wellness.com. Yep. Yeah, you can get a hold of me there. Um, the best thing is to get on my email list. So download that fertilityboostingfoods.com uh-huh. and then you can get updates from me and you can get a hold of me that way. friends thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to christy murray for sharing her story you guys are the greatest if you have two seconds to go over to apple and rate five stars and review the podcast it really helps 
me get noticed in the world of zillions of podcasts. So thank you if you have done that already. And if not, I would really appreciate it if you did. Also would love to invite you to check out Fertility Rally, which is the community that Blair Nelson and I created. It has four support groups a week, three private Facebook groups, so much sisterhood and badassery and just support education, inspiration, all the things. We also have our Fertility Rally Live event coming up on October 22nd. So it's our fifth time and it's going to be really, really awesome. I'll share some more about that soon. But Fertility Rally, you know, you guys are welcome to check out a support group. Just DM me at Fertility Rally on Instagram, or you can DM me on Infertile Stories. And if you want to check it out and see if it's your jam, let me know. We open the first of every month. So we will open up on October 1st for a week and we would love to see you guys. So thanks again. Thanks for passing this on to your friends as well. Word of mouth means everything. And I will talk to you guys next time.